Good morning. The Bible's reading this morning is from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 15. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, merely infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarrelling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters has one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labour. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Right, now the mic's on. Beautiful. Good morning, everyone. Lovely to see you all. Um, I'm just going to pray in a second, and I'm going to pray for myself, if I may, but I'll pray for each of us as well, and that's because uh, you might have heard me coughing a fair bit lately. I'm just battling to get over pneumonia, and I'm feeling a bit breathless this morning, so ask for your grace towards me, and I recognise that we all come with our own challenges as well, so let's just pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can meet together this morning and study your word. We ask that your grace would be upon us as we do so. I ask that you would speak to us and help us to take away what you would want us to learn and to grow into. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. So I've entitled today's message, A True Foundation. And that's because uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, really is the key to this passage. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. There's an outline in your leaflets to follow along, and we've got a couple of headings there as well. Now, a little joke just to set the scene for today. Uh, There were three children in the playground, 
Jill, Jack and Bill. Jill said to the others, My dad's way faster than any of yours. He can bowl the cricket ball at 190 kilometres an hour, run down the other end and hit the ball before it hits the stumps. Wow, said Jack. My dad can shoot an arrow from his bow and run down to the target, hold it up and make sure it hits the bullseye. And Bill said, your dad's don't even come close to mine. My dad works for the government, and even though he works to four o'clock every day, he's home at 3.30. Apologies to any government workers here. I'm sure you work very hard. Now, this scenario is a little bit like the Corinthians in today's Bible passage. They're like little children, immaturely arguing and fighting, bragging amongst themselves about who the best leader is to follow and how clever they are in picking that leader. Which kind of reminds me of Paul's instruction in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 31. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So that brings me to our first heading today, true leaders, and Colin alluded to this. We want to be seeking leaders who are wise and humble and who preach Christ first and foremost. So a little bit of background to this letter. There's a bit of a rhetorical battle going on between Paul and the Corinthian church, which he founded. Uh, there was likely a series of letters some of which lost to history, Uh, going back and forth. And the crux of the argument is a dispute about Paul's authority as an apostle. It seems the Corinthians, in keeping with the Greek culture of their day and their city, were seeking wisdom or knowledge as a means or a sign of spiritual growth. They were looking at Paul and saying, "Hmm, not a very wise teacher. He merely taught us the basics, just like it says in verse 1 or 2. He fed us milk, not solid food. Now we know better, so why do we need to listen to his instructions about how we're living? And they were divided amongst themselves about which teachers were worthy of being followed. In fact, they were more than just divided. They were filled up with pride in their own perceived wisdom, racked with jealousy and arguments and prideful boasting about which leaders they had chosen to follow. They were also, as we will see later, still living very much like the culture around them and indulging in its sinful practices. On the one hand, they were bragging about their wisdom and spirituality, and on the other hand, they were marked by immature divisions and indulging in sinful worldly practices. Paul challenges their proud boasting that revealed their hearts as being worldly and pride-filled by explaining that when he was amongst them, he had to teach them in simple ways because they were actually lacking in maturity, lacking in wisdom. Though they thought they were wiser and more spiritual than Paul, Paul points out that the jealousy and quarrelling amongst them and their bragging about which leader they followed were actually evidence of their lack of maturity, their lack of wisdom, and lack of truly Holy Spirit-led lives. At the same time, Paul demonstrates his true leadership qualities, his wisdom, if you will, and then he doesn't put the other leaders down that they're bragging about or seek to brag about his own achievements, but instead says that by bragging about human leaders, they're missing the point. It's all about Christ. As a truly wise and spirit-filled leader, Paul says, we leaders don't amount to anything. You look back at verse 7, and he also says the fruit and the church are God's doing. And that both he and Apollos, and one of the other leaders, are merely servants of God. And this is an example for us as we seek to find truly wise, humble and spirit-filled leaders to follow. Now, of course, there's nothing wrong with following different leaders. We need godly leaders, and we need wisdom in choosing them. And it's a very human thing to do to look for leaders and to follow others. But the problem with the Corinthians was their hearts. 
They were in the wrong place as they sought to boast about how clever they were in attaching themselves to the best leader. We need to seek out leaders who are humble and point back to God and, like Paul, reject people bragging or boasting about them instead of giving the glory and praise to God. Of course, in this day and age, we have the privilege of being able to follow all different kinds of preachers through the medium of the internet and so on. And again, nothing wrong with that, but it actually presents a danger in that we only see a snapshot of these people. A little example, I used to really enjoy watching videos online of the preacher Ravi Zacharias. Some of you may remember him. He used to travel around and debate issues defending the Bible, and I particularly enjoyed the spectacle of him successfully besting others in debates, but I was totally ignorant of his true character. I just equated his apparent wisdom in defending the gospel with godly character. If you're familiar with his story, whilst leading this worldwide ministry, he was secretly having affairs and carrying on with other women. His downfall was his pride, and somewhere along the way he stopped exalting Christ and thought he could indulge in sin because of he, he had done so much for God. So we need to be careful about exalting individuals or even movements over following Christ first and foremost. Paul says in verse 5, What am I? Only a servant. So we watch out for leaders who exalt themselves with flashy ministries where leaders are treated like rock stars and who heap up riches for themselves. You can just stop and imagine for a moment what Paul might say about celebrity pastors and megachurches built around overly exalted leaders today. So that's our first heading. Seek true leaders who are wise and humble and who preach Christ first and foremost. So to our second heading, true spirituality. We need to live our lives by the Spirit. We don't want to be like those Corinthians, do we? Those poor Corinthians just keep getting put down, getting a bad rap all the time. They were worldly and immature, mere infants in Christ, yet they thought of themselves as spiritually mature. There's a little illustration up on the screen that I thought highlights how they thought of themselves. Super Christians, yet mere babes in the faith. Elsewhere in the letter, we learn that the Corinthians were abusing their freedom in Christ and using it as a license to sin. They saw themselves as spiritual because they excelled in the exercise of outward spiritual gifts such as tongues and prophecy and so on. Therefore, they believed they didn't need to change their sinful behaviours, including participating in the city's pagan festivals, going to the temples and temple prostitutes. Again, you can just imagine them saying to themselves, "Mm, I'm pretty spiritual. I'm a good Christian. God will understand if I go to the festival, party tonight, to the temple prostitutes. I can be a witness there. I only get a little bit drunk. It's not like I do it all the time. Everyone's doing it. They were so immersed in their culture that they were deceived. And I think there's a lesson in that for all of us. Now, I'm not standing here and pretending I'm any better. Um, a little confession. In my mid-twenties, I went through a period where I tried doing the same sort of thing. I would go out drinking and get up to all sorts of antics, yet I always showed up at church on Sunday. More than once, I turned up with no sleep, hung over, and probably shouldn't have even been driving. I was trying to have a foot in both camps. I was a bit like the Corinthians, perhaps living by the motto, God forgives. Using grace as a license for sin. But thankfully, I'm not like that anymore. And we aren't like those Corinthians at all, are we? Or are we? Here's a couple of questions that perhaps we ought to be thinking about if we think we're mature in Christ. 
Are there some ways we participate in the culture around us that are contrary to the life of a spirit-filled Christian? Just imagine for a moment that the Apostle Paul was actually alive today and he was coming to stay with one of us, perhaps for a week. Uh, If Paul accompanied us throughout the week, what might he observe? If he watched all the same media as us, listened to all the same music, hung out with the same friends, participated in the same conversations, how might he characterise us? Would he say we are merely, we are worldly and mere infants? Or would he describe us as mature and united Christians? If I'm honest, I think I would be slightly embarrassed by that scenario. In chapter 3, verse 1 of our passage, Paul says that Corinthians were not people who were living by the Spirit. So what does he mean here? Well, in Galatians chapter 5, Paul contrasts the acts of the flesh with the fruit of the Spirit. And he says in verse 24 and 25 of Galatians chapter 5, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Here in 1 Corinthians, Paul describes the immature Christian as someone who does not live by the Spirit and is marked by worldliness and poor character. He uses the type of spiritual food they consume as an illustration of the difference between the immature and the mature Christian who is living life by the Spirit. The food being the Word of God, and the immature Christian being one who consumes merely milk, the basics of Christianity. Sure, they know the facts about Christ and what he's done, the Bible stories, if you will, a bit like what we teach our children, right? In contrast, the mature Christian consumes solid food. They understand not only the facts of what Christ has done, but the deeper truths or meanings behind what he has done, why he's done it, the doctrines of the faith, the reasons for his coming, his life, death and resurrection and ascension, what things he's doing now and what he's going to do in the future, and why we're waiting and preparing for his return. We get the big picture and are marked by the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5:22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. A church that is living life in the Spirit is described in several places in the New Testament, but I just want to highlight one place, and that is from the church at Ephesus, as described in Acts chapter 19. Uh, We'll pick up the story in verse 8. Paul, it says here, Paul entered the synagogue, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. This is in Ephesus, as I said. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe. So Paul left and he took the disciples with him and had daily discussions in the lecture hall of Tyrannius. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Now, I've just plucked out a little bit from that chapter, but if you read the whole chapter, Acts chapter 19, I encourage you to do so, It's really quite an amazing story. Paul enters the synagogue, found a group of people willing to be discipled, and he taught them daily for two whole years. Can you imagine the devotion of showing up for Bible study every day for two years? And the result of all this, miracles, revival, and the spreading of the gospel in power throughout the entire Roman province of Asia within less than three years. From nothing, the church spread over the whole area. So if we want to grow as individuals and as a church, then we too need to be devoted to sound teaching of God's word. And that's our second heading for today. 
true spirituality, a life lived by the Spirit, devoted to God's Word, and characterised by the fruit of the Spirit. And our third heading in your outline there, seek unity, it comes from humility and confidence in Christ's finished work, true maturity. If immaturity is characterised by divisions, quarrelling and jealousy, then Christian maturity can be characterised by the opposite, by unity. Now Paul goes into more detail about unity in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. And again, I just want to highlight a couple of points from that passage that I think illustrate the kind of unity Paul's talking about. He says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind, in humility value others over yourselves. Have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. And that last bit is really the crux of it. Have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. Now, if you've ever had young children, you'll know that they like to argue and fuss over the smallest of things. Most of you know I have two little girls, six and three. They love to hop into bed with me in the morning and they love to sit on my lap in the evening. And every time, without fail, they always end up fighting about who's touching who. No, she touched me. No, and whichever one I tell off first blames the other one for starting it. doesn't matter whether I try and flip it round. It's always the same. Perhaps a little bit like the immature Christians in Corinth. By contrast, mature Christians are marked by unity, such as that described in the passage we just read in Philippians, and not quarrelling and fighting over small things. Children also love to choose heroes to follow. And of course, so do adults. We just like to pretend that we're a bit more mature sometimes. But the mature Christian understands, as Paul explains in verses 7 to 9, that in the church there really are no heroes, save Jesus Christ himself. Paul, one of the greatest apostles of all time, we just read about his amazing ministry in Ephesus, describes himself and Apollos as nothing, merely servants building a foundation, not heroes to pick and choose and brag about, but leaders Wise builders laying a foundation and building on it that belong to God. And the church at Corinth belongs to God, which is the building itself. So they shouldn't be picking a leader to put on a pedestal. It's Christ they should be exalting and boasting about for what he has done for them. After all, it was Christ who saved them, not Paul or Apollos. So the mature Christian boasts about Christ and what he has done for them. However, it's just as important to avoid being overly proud and lacking in humility, so that's, so it's also sorry, just as it's important to avoid being overly proud and lacking in humility, so it's also important to avoid a false kind of humility, the idea that we aren't good enough as Christians, that we don't really measure up as if somehow Christ's work on the cross wasn't enough for us, or that his grace is somehow lacking. You see, Paul doesn't want his leaders to be his readers to be proud and lacking in humility or to be humble and lacking in confidence. Neither is healthy. Instead, as mature Christians, Paul expects the Corinthians to be both humble and confident at the same time. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, he says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So the Corinthians are, and we are, to be humble in ourselves, but also confident in Christ and what he's done for us. And I think that's really important for us to take away. 
humble in ourselves, yet confident in Christ. Now, truth be told, I love a hero as much as anyone. I mean, who doesn't really? One of my all-time favourites is the uh, fictional movie character Rocky Balboa from the Rocky movies. Just watched the whole series again this week. Um, there's a couple of pictures up on the, on, on the screen for you. And the basic premise of the story, which you may or may not be familiar with, is he's a down-on-his-luck boxer from a rough neighbourhood with no real prospects in life, and he somehow gets this incredible opportunity. He's picked at random to fight a boxing match against the world heavyweight champion, and somehow, against all the odds, he triumphs and becomes a hero and a champion to the little guy. He goes on to achieve huge success, but in just three short years, it all comes crashing down. He loses badly in a boxing match, his mentor dies suddenly, and he's humiliated by defeat. He hits rock bottom, and he loses all confidence in himself. It's only when he regains his self-confidence, bolstered by the love and support of his wife, who assures him that his family loves him no matter whether he wins or loses, that he's able to regain the confidence to try again. So it is with us. When we feel humiliated or defeated by the failure of sin, I think we all experience that. We need to strengthen ourselves and each other by the promises of God's word that Christ's love for us is unconditional. It's not dependent on our efforts. It's then that we can be both humble and confident. Which leads to our fourth heading, our foundation, a true foundation, which is Jesus Christ. As I said in my opening, Verse 11 says, No one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Paul again addresses the debates about which leader is worth following in verses 10 and 11. But now he talks about the church's true foundation. He reminds them that though he laid the foundation of the church as a wise builder and someone else is building on this foundation, neither he nor the other, any other leader are actually the foundation itself. Instead, the church's one true foundation that is shared with them when they first believed is the one already laid out, that of Jesus Christ himself and his finished work at the cross. And this really goes back to what Paul was saying in chapter 1 and verses 18 to 31, where he talks about the wisdom and foolishness. And he says from verse 21, For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, as Rod highlighted for us when he preached a couple of weeks ago. A stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. And again in verse 31 of chapter 1, it says, Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So the church's true foundation is the work of Christ at the cross. Christ's death and resurrection are the foundation of all true faith. Christ alone is the leader and founder of the church and is the only one who is actually worthy to be exalted, to be followed, preached, believed in, trusted upon, bragged about and ultimately to be worshipped. The Greek thinking Christians at Corinth were seeking a deeper wisdom than what Paul had taught them, deeper than what Christ crucified. But it was a wisdom of this world. And they were in danger of trying to lay a different foundation, one other than Christ crucified. Paul says there is a day coming, verse 13 of our passage, when all things will be tested with fire and their quality will be proved. 
which leads me to my fifth and final heading for today, true reward. We need to be working together to build things that will last for eternity. This day that Paul refers to in verse 13 is the biblical and yet future day of judgment. It's a warning to the Corinthian Christians and particularly to its builders or pastors, including Paul himself, and to us, that in the future the things they and we have built will be tested for their true quality. But before I go any further, Paul has another day for the, a name for this day. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, Paul writes, He will keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. The day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there is a day of judgment coming for those who are not believers. including those immature Christians at Corinth. They and us will be safe, blameless even, no judgment for them who are in Christ. We are assured of entry into God's kingdom because we are in Christ. For us, it's not the day of judgment, it's the day of our Lord. Something we can look forward to. I don't want to read too much into the passage there because Paul is speaking directly to the issue of wise builders and pastors, which is the heart of the issue that he's addressing here. The kind of church they have laboured to be built will be tested. If the church has been built on a sure foundation, the true gospel of Christ, it will stand the test and last for eternity, and the builder will receive a reward. And what is that reward? Well, he doesn't say directly. However, at the very least, the reward would be those who are saved by the leader's faithful teaching of the gospel. Now, even though Paul is speaking directly to leaders, we all have our own role to play in building a church based on the true gospel, that of Christ and his work at the cross. Together, we are fellow labourers and partners in the work of the gospel. So to sum up our message for today, we need true leaders who are wise, humble and who preach Christ. We need true spirituality to live life by the spirit, rooted in God's word and characterised by the fruit of the spirit. We need true maturity, the unity that comes from both humility and confidence in Christ's finished work. We need a true foundation to build all things on Christ's finished work at the cross. And lastly, we need a true reward to work together to build things that will last for eternity. Thank you.